The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Now today we're catching up with Nickel Search, trades under the code NIS. Last sale was at six cents for a market cap of 8.4 million, which as Garen Perro has mentioned before, just where he likes to see junior explorers who are active in the field and uh, have leverage to uh, exploration success. Now, Nickel Search's uh, area of focus is the Carlingup project, which is uh, near Ravensthorpe there in Western Australia, a well-known nickel and lithium province with big projects like First Quantum's uh, Laterite Nickel Project, IGO's Forestania Sulphide Nickel Project, Orchem's Mount Kaplan Lithium Project and Bulls and Resources Ravensthorpe Lithium Project. So it's an area that has been producing, uh, well, nickel particularly for a long time, including Nickel um, owned, well, nickel leases, tenements owned by Nickel Search now, the uh, the RAV uh, group of tenements, where there was historic production of about 16,000 tonnes at a very nice grade of 3.45%. That was uh, history, and uh, obviously Nickel Search is in there now looking to find a new and bigger future for that part of the world. So with that, I'll introduce Nicole Duncan. Nicole is the MD of Nickel Search. G'day, Nicole. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Barry. It's great to be back with you. All right. Now, Nicole, you you guys have been busy in the field. After, I think, our previous discussion, you were working up uh, prospects that or tar- drilling targets, and you've uh, been hitting some of those. I'm thinking of Sexton B1 and Serendipity in most recent mm. times. Mm. What uh, What was the outcome? We've had some great success. We have over 30 greenfield targets and you've listed three of them. We drilled four since uh, since listing and we've hit nickel sulphides, good nickel sulphide intersections at two of them. So we've got a 50% strike rate, which we're pretty proud of. That was at Sexton and B1. At Sexton, we uh, drilled some RC there uh, in January, uh, that was following up on some historical intersections uh, that had been drilled way back. Uh, and it looks like at that time the team on the ground didn't uh, under, or, or didn't quite realise which direction the mineralisation was moving in, which, you know, is, is hard to predict which way it moves in because it can be controlled by the rocks around it. So mm-hmm. they got the direction uh, a bit skewy and uh, our geologists just tried a, a, a other information, gave them a better understanding of the plunge. And so we've been able to drill successfully with RC where we hit uh, nickel sulphide in all three, four holes. And then we brought the diamond rig back um at Sexton and put two diamond holes in and we hit some great uh, mineralisation there where we have an upper horizon and a lower horizon 
um, of mineralization. And we're just waiting to get the assay results back on that diamond drilling. So we're off to a very good start from the greenfield perspective. Uh, absolutely. And uh, B1? The mm. so B1, same as Sexton, it did have some historical drilling in it, but that hadn't ever really been followed up. And B1 also lit up uh, from a geochemical perspective. So it, we had quite a, a number of good indicators there that B1 uh, was a great place to drill. We did seven RC holes at B1 in May and we were able to confirm the nickel mineralisation and extend it. And so when the diamond drill was finished at Sexton, we took it to B1 and put a 340-metre hole uh, down plunge. Uh, So that was a a true discovery hole uh, Mm. in terms of wanting to really understand what the geology was doing. And what we found at B1 is it it looks to be a really good setting for nickel sulphide. So what we have there are very thick intervals of cumulate ultramafic. Ultramafic is the host rock for comatiotic nickel sulphides, like what we're chasing. Mm-hmm. And cumulate ultramafic uh, means that the, uh, the it cools more slowly than other types of ultramafic. And, and with it cooling more slowly, that gives the nickel an opportunity the nickel sulfide to to come together and accumulate. So it's a great setting for for nickel sulfide. So we hit nice thick intersections of ultramafic, cumulate ultramafic, and then we've hit uh, about a 40-metre intersection of disseminated nickel. And again, we're waiting for the assay results of that. But what's really interesting about B1, so Barry, you mentioned the RAV8 deposit, which is on our tenements. So as you said, RAV8 uh, produced 16.1 kilotons at 3.45%. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the uh, indicators of RAV8 was it has it had a, a nice body of nickel sulfide, uh, but it also had a very large disseminated nickel halo. And so that halo was a vector towards the nickel sulfide. So one of the things that we've been looking for are nice thick intersections of disseminated nickel to, you know, potentially act as a a vector to the nickel sulfide. So here we've got a 40-metre intersection of what we can see is is disseminated. But Mm. the geologists also um, were keen on the fact that it was showing signs of accumulation. So the nickel sulfide went from being cloudy to being disseminated and then to being what they call blebby, uh, which means it's starting to to accumulate and become, um, you know, larger bits of nickel mm. in the sulphide. So mm. it, we've got some really encouraging signs at B1. Right. And that's assays pending as well, yep? Yes, assays are pending for both um, Sexton and, and B1. So as soon as we get those assays, we'll be able to update the market on, on the, the nickel sulphide results. Right. Exciting stuff. Now, serendipity, mm. now that's... The two Sexton and B1, they were sort of historical yes. prospects targets. Was serendipity a, a new one in the sense you zoned in onto it through ultrafine soil sampling? Yeah, that's right. So there was a historical hole there, but it really wasn't in the area um, that we were interested in through the, originally through the airborne electromagnetic work. 
um, and the hole itself didn't um, host anything that we thought, you know, was of interest. So, um, but the area of interest that we liked had some very good uh, nickel chrome uh, soil anomalies. So when you're looking for nickel sulfides, um, geologists use something called the Cambalda ratio, which measures uh, a number of elements in the soil. And for us, there was very high nickel chrome anomalies, which is a great sign. Mm. But the reason we didn't put too many holes into serendipity uh, was because there wasn't the correspondingly high copper and PGEs that you would hope. So there was copper there. It just wasn't as high as the nickel chrome. So we thought it it was um, an area to go slowly in. So we, we put a we put three RC holes there and we did down hole EM and, it, it, you know, it didn't produce the good indicators um, that we should drill further for nickel sulfide. So we've just deprioritized that for now because we still have, you know, over 25 greenfield mm. targets to hit. So we've got better targets to chase. Okay, so the company's uh, systematic approach to uh, curling up is starting to pay, uh, pay dividends, uh, mm. lots of encouragement, etc. Sexton and B1, and now you're moving into uh, uh, the next suite of uh, prospects. Um, yeah. Well, you've got upcoming drilling at uh, Rav 8 and then Greenfield at Lipple and Wadley and yeah. Greenfield at, what is it, John Ellison? John Ellis West, yeah, Sprint yeah, and Relay. Yeah. Is there some theme with the names here? <laughs> well, we had to find a theme. So, <laughs> yes, there's definitely um, there's a combination of uh, people who have been involved in the project Right. Over its over its you know many years and uh, as you can see the Olympic um, track and field. <laughs> so <laughs> okay, there's also sense. a discus in there, Barry. So it keeps going. <laughs> Good stuff. Mm. So these upcoming ones, what's the likely timing? Um, are, are they straightforward nickel uh, targets or? Yeah. They are. They're nickel sulfide targets. Uh, the timing for that is once the uh, rain in Ravensthorpe passes through. So that's usually done by sometime in October. We, we're hoping that would be by, done by early October, but we'll just have to wait mm. and see what the next couple of months hold. Uh, what is going to be really interesting around these targets, uh, particularly Lipple, Wadley and John Ellis West, is that we'll be drilling through uh, nickel laterite sitting close to surface and deep below the, the nickel laterite we'll be looking to hit the ultramafic uh, and see if the ultramafic there is hosting nickel sulfides. So, uh, but at the same time, because we're drilling through what is effectively the John Ellis laterite uh, uh resource that we have and also that resource is uh, an extension of first quantum's nindabilip resource mm. you know we'll be working with first quantum about that drilling for um, for us and them to understand that nickel laterite deposit uh, better so we'll be targeting nickel sulfides and looking to see what the ultramafic hosts. Uh, we've got some good indicators there um, that there's something worth pursuing. But at the same time, to make sure that we're working in a really cost-effective way, we'll uh, get all the information we can about the nickel laterite, both for our benefit and first quantums. Uh, um, we'll move on in a moment to the lithium uh, field work and then the VMS target likely to be drilled towards the end of the year. But just to... Um, 
go back a bit, there's a 155,000 tonne contained nickel resource on the property. Yes. Um, Lowish grade, but you are, in the background there, you are looking at some uh, processing routes for possible development at some stage? Yeah, definitely. The, you know, in order to be able to um, put out the resource, you have to be confident of, you know, eventually being able to extract and process it. So of that 155, 90 is nickel laterite. And so we have a, a, you know, very strong degree of confidence around that because first quantum is literally five kilometres down the road. And as I was saying, you know, that's an extension of their NIN-develop resource. So, you know, First Quantum's the obvious um, developer of that and we have a good working relationship with them. Uh, so the 65 kilotons, that is nickel sulphide, as you say, that's lo- you know relatively low grade and it sits in what's uh, in a type of rock called violarite, which doesn't float as well. And so nickel is traditionally um, processed using flotation, but violarite doesn't respond to that as well. So we're looking at all sorts um, of other processing routes for that violarite. And, you know, it's got some great upside to it, um, you know, once we're able to demonstrate how it works, because um, RAV8, when it was being mined, it, um, it, you know, basically tectonic when what left behind uh, nickel at 1% or below, sometimes even 1.5% or below just sitting at surface. So we've got a couple of great uh, reasons for why we're looking at how to process this material. No timeline on that just yet? No, that's just a very slow, steady burn in the background. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're looking to keep the costs as low as possible, just, just making sure that we're doing all the necessary work to make sure we've got that processing pathway. Because yeah, it's certainly a lot of uh, nickel. Mm, it is a lot of nickel, and it's and it's you know looking at the forward um, demand curve for nickel. You know, twenty twenty six is still looking very healthy. So it's just you know doing all the work that we need to do now to be able to capitalize on that demand curve once it's, it's once it's set in motion. Yeah. Okay. So if there's not enough, uh, if there's plenty of excitement on the nickel front. But mm. now you have this developing lithium leg to your story. Mm. And um, lithium is uh, obviously well known in that part of the world. And we've seen plenty of examples actually quite recently where uh, nickel explorers have looked over the shoulder and said, well, what's the lithium potential? Yeah. <laughs> and been, yeah, been incredibly uh, successful. Mm. Uh, so... And you've actually uh, put this out to uh, some consultants to firstly identify one that you had the potential to uh, come up with some uh, targets. That's right. So we are 10 kilometres down the road from All Chems Mount Catlin lithium uh, mine and production facility. Mm. And they're flagging, you know, wanting to look at also you know feed for their production facility Man, so i think they're started, talking about going underground aren't they to, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah so it's yep. hugely interesting so we thought okay what can we do we don't want to get distracted from nickel sulfide if there's no merit to it but let's let's have a look at uh, our tenements 
using the ultrafine soil sampling that we'd done, and we'd only done that over a, a portion of the tenement, but mm-hmm. we gave those uh, the soil sample results to Nigel Brand, the geochemist here, and he came back identifying for us 22 areas of interest to look for lithium. So five of those are high priority, and then there's medium and lower priority. So we're just now systematically making our way through the areas and uh, we're just starting uh, with rock chip sampling and you know looking at looking at the you, you know the the what's what's outcropping basically but at the same time we're also looking at the work that Nigel's done and we're applying it uh, across the tenement package because we don't want to miss um, you know other areas of interest just because mm-hmm. that's only where we had the soil sampling. So we're, we're looking at Nigel's work, but then, you know, extrapolating that across the tenement package. And so we're getting some assistance, expert assistance with that as well. So we're starting slowly so that we don't get too distracted and we're careful with our, um, with our capital. But, uh, you know, we're, we're, it's well worth looking at given, given that we're in a known lithium district. For sure. So I think the company has said uh, this month, field work, uh, yes. sampling, et cetera, will yep, get going. Yep, that's kicking off. Yep. Right, Very okay. exciting. Tough question for you, but what would excite you most? 30 metres at 1.5% lithium there or uh, 10 metres at uh, 5% nickel? You take either, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I would call that a champagne problem, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very true. All right. So, yeah. Now, another interesting uh, development of the company is this EIS grant um, mm. from the WA government, the Ex- Exploration Incentive Scheme, two hundred and twenty up to $220,000 to uh, test some uh, historical diamond uh, hole, nickel, back yeah. in back in when, roughly? Oh, 2011, roughly? 2011, that's right. Yeah. Tracker drilled that hole. Uh, now, you, they don't hand these out willy-nilly. You have to mm. present a strong case and they have to, uh, their experts have to agree with you. So what is the theory behind putting this, uh, I presume it's a, a one-deep diamond hole, is it? That's right. It was originally drilled, meant to get to about 640 metres or thereabouts, and Tracker ran into some problems with their rig when they were at about 580, so they couldn't complete the hole. It was originally a nickel sulphide hole. And so uh, Tracker had to abandon the hole, unfortunately, but then put the core into the core library. And so three years later, so in 2014, Ross Large and his team from Codes, which is with the University of Tasmania, Ross Large is a VHMS uh, expert. They got funding to review five cores in the West Australian Core Library for their significance or their, you know, ability to point or indicate or vector to a VHMS system. And this core, RAVD120, was one of those five holes. And using the codes methodology at the time, they scored each hole out of 100. Now, RAVD120 scored 100 out of 100. Mm. And with that result, Ross Large himself studied the core and he said that it's the closest he's seen to a Degrusa-style mineralisation. So it's a very encouraging outcome. It was originally a nickel sulphide hole. It's potentially a vector to a VMS system. Now, nickel sulphide and VMS can't be in the same rocks, but the the, the 
two types of rocks can sit side by side. So, you know, potentially this, you know, it could be, it could be both, but we just don't know. So we're actually off to look at the core next Friday. And as you say, they don't hand these out willy nilly and you have to um, perform to a strict timetable, which is great. So we're looking to drill this hole in late uh, spring, early summer, so that we can have the results in time for the, the EIS deadline. And we're using New Exco, the consultancy group, to help okay. us with this because they're VMS experts. Mm, okay. We were talking about champagne <clears throat> potential earlier. I should add uh, 40 metres of 5% copper will do nicely. Too. <laughs> It'll do just <laughs> fine. Thanks, Barry. That's uh, Now, obviously, very active program you've got going. Just wondering what the cash position's like. Yeah, so we raised capital at the end of June. Uh, we did that through a rights issue with, uh, it was underwritten, and uh, along with the rights issue were awarded options. And so, you know, the we're focused on the Greenfield work and the RAV D120, and then um, as the option uh, money comes in, then, you know, it funds the, the further work. So it's just all about setting ourselves milestones, hitting those timelines and then moving on to the next so yeah for sure okay just uh, finally i see there's a bit of a board new appointments here you've got mark Connolly yeah. of african gold fame as the uh, independent uh, chairman yes and uh, linda burnett who i first came uh, met through uh, her work at sepa but now i think is on the regis board as well so That's right. uh good additions they Not are giving you merry hell are they yeah no they're great they're fantastic they're I think they're doing what independent directors should do, which is asking hard questions. Mm. Uh, but, you know, it just makes the work even better quality. So really happy having them on board. All right, Nicole, let's just bring it together for investors so we can plant in their minds what the key milestones they should be looking out for in coming months. Mm. So we've got the Greenfield Nickel Sulphide coming in October, November. We'll have results from... B1 and Sexton, say, within the next few weeks. That's the assay results. Uh, and, you know, we then have Roth, uh, the lithium rock chips. So, you know, we've got short-term, as in weeks, lithium rock chips coming in and then the greenfield nickel sulphide work continues. And then later in the year we have the VMS. So we've got quite a number of milestones and steady news flow. Absolutely. So there you go, folks. Very interesting story. Junior with a market current market cap of eight point four million, with obviously with uh, lots of leverage to ongoing nickel success, lithium to come, and who knows maybe a Jagusa type deposit there in Ravensthorpe as well. So Nicole, thanks for your time today, much appreciated. Good luck. We'll be watching with interest. Thank you very much, Barry. Great to talk. Cheers.